This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Bye to letdown. George the Builder, he wants to help aspiring young homeowners, but he's pulling the rug from underneath buy-to-let landlords. In a combined autumn statement and spending review that delivered a U-turn on tax credits, a blow for buy-to-let, and yet more feather bedding for pensioners, how will it hit you in the wallet? Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's most popular weekly podcast. I'm Claire Barrett and I'll be giving you the inside track on this week's autumn statement with the help of FT Money's panel of independent experts. Claire Evans, tax partner at Deloitte... Christine Ross, Head of Advice at Hartwood, the wealth management firm, and Bob Rothenberg, Senior Partner at Blick Rothenberg, the Chartered Accountants. On Wednesday, the UK experienced the double whammy of the five-year comprehensive spending review, setting out how government departments will trim their spending by £20 billion leading up to 2020, and the Autumn Statement, a mini-budget where Chancellor George Osborne attempted to balance the nation's books and achieve his goal of a fiscal surplus by the end of this decade. So who stands to be hit by the cuts? And who has been given a spending windfall? And what was the rabbit that he pulled out of the hat? Well, I'm joined in the FT studio by Claire Evans, Christine Ross and Bob Rothenberg. Now, buy-to-let landlords appear to be one of the biggest losers from this mini-budget. He's come back for a second bite of the cherry after July's pledge to restrict valuable tax reliefs on mortgage interest payments and wear and tear. So, Claire, I'm going to come to you first. This was the proverbial rabbit out of the hat from the Chancellor today. What do wannabe landlords have to fear? Well, um, in a nutshell, from 1 April 2016, there'll be an additional rate of tax uh, of stamp duty land tax due of um, 3% on additional properties, which actually is a wider definition than um, additional buy-to-let properties. It can include holiday homes as well and additional homes. Some reassurance, apparently, it doesn't apply to caravans and motorhomes and mobile homes, etc. Um, but that, that's, that's what the new rate will be. So if you had um, a home that you wanted to buy as a buy-to-let that cost over one and a half million pounds, um, you know, fairly standard um, home in many London boroughs, unfortunately, with the state of house prices today. Mm. At the moment, what stamp duty would you be paying on that and what would it rise to with the new rules? Well, at the moment, the stamp duty rate would be 12%, but with this additional 3%, it will be 15% from 1 April 2016. Well, you might say that landlords will be flipping mad at this decision. And certainly the wording of this policy is that that additional 3% will apply to second homes, as you said, holiday properties and buy-to-let properties. So how could the wealthy readjust their assets and how will the revenue know if it's a first or second home? Christine, this is something that you've been scratching your head about. Well, we've always had the ability to nominate our main home, our principal private residence. That's normally because that home is free of capital gains tax when we sell it. 
um, it'll be rather interesting when making a purchase how the individuals will be able to nominate which is their principal private residence or is going to be and I'm sure we'll see some clarity in the legislation about that but also you know, that's going to involve solicitors I would imagine having to police that and you know, there is going to have to be some very stringent ruling there Otherwise, uh, the measure may not be as effective as desired. And maybe for husbands and wives, it might be different from common law partners who are boyfriend and girlfriend. Who knows? I think this is going to require individuals to have some very good forethought and financial planning and to ensure that they take the right legal advice um, when they are making these decisions. These are certainly large amounts of money. Okay, Bob, I'm going to bring you in at this point. I mean, this was the biggest surprise for you in this mini-budget too, right? Absolutely. Totally unexpected. And yet, as you said, another attack on on basically on buy-to-let and seeing where they can try to collect more money from residential properties in one form or another. And also have extended that by looking at what they can do where there is capital gains tax payable on residential properties. Well, yeah, this was a further surprise, you know, an unwelcome black rabbit perhaps out of the hat. This pledge to speed up the collection of capital gains tax on on property sales, although we'll have to wait until 2019 um, for that particular pledge to bite. Yes, it's quite interesting he's left it that long, whether there's a concern as to actually how they're going to police and, and administer this. Again, probably putting the onus of collection of the tax upon the solicitor involved in any property sale, and it relates to any residential property that is not a principal private residence, so that it will be, again, some form of declaration how one is going to ensure that it properly carries uh, the principal private residence exemption, what rate of capital gains tax, because there are various rates of capital gains tax, both depending upon income uh, and so on. And Claire, this is something that's worrying you already, um, so just one point I would add to that, because I think you're absolutely right, as we pointed out, um, by to landlords were feeling a little bit sore after the budget, the summer mm. budget announcements, and they were, that was causing them to, to think about how they should be running their portfolios, whether individually or through a corporate um, corporate vehicle. And interestingly, these measures, so both the um, increased stamp duty plus the accelerated capital gains tax, don't apply if the property portfolio is run through a company. So maybe we'll start to see more of that, that adding fuel to that fire. So the bigger landlords will corporatise their... Their holdings. Very interesting. Now, Bob, um, I'll come back to you. Now, this is a digital tax collection ruse, being able to take in the CGT receipts within 30 days um, of a property sale. But you think this casts a wider shadow over the dream of a simplified digital tax account? It could actually be getting a little, little more difficult for us in the future. Well, it's quite interesting because Mr. Osborne held up the image of moving into a digital age where we would receive as taxpayers a pre-populated tax return and at best just have to sign it and send it back. Under the various changes that come in and announcement today in, in the small print is that the expectation that taxpayers will have to have a digital tax account but there will be an onus on the taxpayer to keep this updated every quarter so that there's the opportunity for the HMRC to see what earnings are there and I suppose at some future date even possibly to start collecting tax earlier than they do now. But with the complications that each change in the tax legislation puts upon taxpayers, maintaining that information in a 
digital tax account, I think will be a great onus on people. Uh, they will have to have access to the internet for a start. Um, many pensioners may well find it very difficult. They may qualify for exemptions from the dividend tax, from the personal savings allowance, and so on. But it means actually understanding all of that to be able to complete the returns and the figures. Well, something to think about for the future there. Now, next up, let's talk about help to buy. Now, for those of us with children trying to get on the property ladder, particularly in London, the mini-budget had encouraging news, a new help to buy for London, where a 5% deposit will enable first-time buyers to access a 40% five-year interest-free loan. Now, Christine, you think you've worked out how George Osborne might be funding that rather generous-sounding pledge. Uh, looking at some of the wording, although um, I haven't spotted it in the numbers yet, it seems that the additional stamp duty on second homes may be channelled towards uh, new properties for first-time buyers. Um, certainly some of the money raised by the increased stamp duty is going towards um communities that are affected by people coming in and buying holiday homes about 60 million of about the 600 million that's going to be raised in the first full year but it does also say that help to buy is going to benefit from some of this extra stamp duty and certainly he mentioned um, Cornwall as one of the areas um, of of the UK where there has been this surge in second homes so just to um, mention some of the figures on that we went through the um, budget documents to see how much the Chancellor thinks that he can raise from this second stamp duty um, hike and We've been looking through the documents to see how much the Chancellor thinks he'll raise from this stamp duty hike, and it's projected to raise £625 million in year 2016-17, to rising to £880 million by 2020-21. That's certainly a significant amount of money. It is, and of that, £60 million is being devoted to local communities affected um, by individuals having, for example, weekend homes. Um, but I would imagine some of that it seems, is going towards getting people on the housing ladder. And, Bob, I'll bring you in here. You have got some strong views on this well, help-to-buy uh, policy. It, I mean, it, it, in theory, it's fantastic. First of all, where are the homes? You know, and the example that's used in the paperwork is a, it, it, is a property at 400000 whilst, you know, there are properties for sale at that level in London, and if one's looking at it in London, it becomes very difficult. And it, it is something which is trying to move a scheme that has been around for a number of years in one form or another, starting with a key workers scheme, you know, probably getting on for 10 years ago, where uh, they have really had a challenge to find A, the right properties, and B, the, the, the individuals who are un- understand enough to be able to take on the obligations that they meet on this. Well, you came up with one good idea upstairs earlier on. Uh, I can't remember what the idea was. The prison. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting that, that in you're quite right in talking about the um, the rehousing of the prisons across the country, where Mr. Osborne talked about building, I think nine new prisons, one of which was Holloway. Um, those clearly will be development sites, as indeed there will be other brownfield sites. And um, certainly, this theme of state assets being given over to to the house builders is one we can expect to see lots of stories about in the FT. Um, to come. Now, finally, let's move on to childcare. Now, the announcement that families will be eligible for £10,000 worth of tax-free childcare has taken us by surprise, but that's because the total household income to qualify for this perk has dropped by a third, seemingly, from £150,000 to £100,000, the Chancellor said today. And I mean, certainly in the capital, this seems a blow for middle-earning parents. Um, 
the announcement was that uh, this is um, free childcare for three to four year olds and um, certainly with households of income up to £100,000. Um, and obviously in small print, we can see the fact that the earnings threshold has been reduced substantially. For many people, you know, that will have a huge effect, but clearly the Chancellor is trying to direct the benefit to particular households. And Bob, you also have a view on the childcare yeah, well, climate. I, I mean, again, the £100,000 level, particularly in, in London, will affect people. But also, £100,000 seems to have been a level that's set upon, a bit like the 150000 in other aspects. But the £100,000 is a level where the personal allowance has started to be withdrawn, which effectively gives a higher marginal rate of tax for earnings over £100,000. Um, and this is just an additional uh, way of, of effectively getting those at that marginal level, just over the 100000 of of paying more. Um, so I, I th- whether there will be the appropriate tapering and how that will be dealt with, again, will be interesting, or will it just be a flat, straight change, more than 100000 no benefit? Well, we could talk all day on these subjects, but thanks very much for joining me in the FT studio today to react so swiftly to these issues. You can read more of the FT's coverage about the autumn statement, the spending review and how it will affect your own finances on our website, ft.com slash money, and follow us on Twitter, at FT Money, for the latest updates as the hidden details of the Chancellor's mini-budget emerge over coming days. And this weekend you can read a comprehensive analysis of those changes and what action you may need to take in FT Money, part of the Weekend FT, which is widely available both on Saturday and Sundays, or read us online, ft.com slash money. We'd love to know what you think about the autumn statement and the spending review and how the news has affected you and your world. You can get in touch with us via email. Our address is money at ft.com or you can tweet us at ftmoney and you can leave comments at the foot of individual articles on our website at ft.com slash money. There's just time to tell you what else is in this weekend's edition. I will be asking if Black Friday shoppers can really bag the bargain of their dreams, and our US investment commentator Ken Fisher argues that the strong pound should not pound the stock market. Plus, we share tips from our sister publication The Investor's Chronicle and the latest director's deals. The Money Show was produced and edited in London by Alexandra Wineska. We will be back next week, but for now, it's goodbye from me, Claire, Christine and Bob. Goodbye. 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 